0: These folks to come up here, uh, and that's uh, Darlene and Danny. Got your all certificate. Can you can you roll up here? Oh, let me just come to you. Okay, I'll just come to you. How's that? All right. God bless you. Thank you all. Yeah, and so God bless you all. Thank you for doing that. So, Amen. That was a great day. We baptized eight people in a lake. In, uh And so it was just a fun day for me. One other thing, let me mention, uh, we're giving away, we get these every year and everybody, these are like gold, everybody wants them because they use it for a lot, but this is our calendars that we're giving away today and they're free and so make sure you get one on the way out. I guess, where are we going to have them at? The doors, there's going to be either? Okay, so that door and that door is where we're going to, yeah, okay, all right, so we're going to give them away, Okay. All right, good deal. All right, there was a Jewish lady named Mrs. Rosenberg, many years ago, was stranded late one night in a fashionable resort, one that did not admit Jews. Uh, the, The desk clerk looked down at his book and said, sorry, no room, the hotel is full. The Jewish lady said, but your sign says that you have vacancies. The desk clerk stammered and then said curtly, you know that we do not admit Jews, now, if you will try the other side of town, Ms. Rosenberg stiffened noticeably and said, "'I have you know I'm converted to your religion.'" The desk clerk said, "'Oh, yeah? Let me give you a little test. How, how was Jesus born?' Ms. Rosenberg replied, "'He was born to a virgin named Mary "'in a little town called Bethlehem.'" "'Very good,' replied the hotel clerk. "'Tell me more.'" Ms. Rosenberg replied, "'He was born in a manger.'" "'That's right,' said the hotel clerk. And why was he born in a, mur- in, a, in a manger? Ms. Rosenberg said loudly, Because a jerk like you in a hotel wouldn't give a Jewish lady a room for the night. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Well, turn, if you will, in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 2. And I want to read, this is part of the Christmas story. This is about the wise men. but we'll read this together, okay? If you have your Bible, I hope that you follow along. I hope you bring your Bible. My Bible, you know, I've got this thing taped up, duct taped, everything I can. I've got one just like it at home that I'm trying to transfer everything to it, but I just can't get away from my old Bible. I just, I love it so much. And, um, you know, and so anyway, it just got so much things in it. Well, listen to what this, the word says here. I'm starting with verse 1. If not, follow along up here with us. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's born, uh, been born king of the Jews? Where we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. This is written in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you shall come a ruler who, shall, who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, Father, I thank you for every person that's here. And Lord, you know, I, you, you, this week you've showed me something out of your word. And Peter says, he says this three times and over in Second Peter. And he tells us over and over again what my job is. And my job, Father, more than anything else, is not necessarily to tell them anything new. But what you basically have told me, Father is that I am to say, simply remind people of what's going on in chapter 1, to remind them of the things of the Word. So, Lord, I pray simply may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you're our strength, you're our redemption, you're everything, and we can't do this without you. And we ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. This is the story of the wise men coming. Now, we need to understand some things, and one of the things we need to understand is that when the wise men finally came, Jesus was probably at that time a toddler because if you'll notice, they came to a house. They didn't come to where the manger was. So Jesus was probably a toddler several months after this, and and so they came to the house to worship. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been lost that's an awful feeling if you've ever been lost. I have. When I was 11 years old, uh, I went on a scouting trip up in the mountains, and when we were there, uh, we got separated. Somehow, coming down off the mountain, I got separated from the rest of them. I sat down to take something out of my shoe, and when I got my shoe back on, uh, and they went one way, and, and, and I went the other. I was 11 years old, and for eight hours, I wandered around those mountains up there trying there's snakes and everything else in there and you know that was the first time in my life that i really ever prayed now oh, i always i could pray those now i lay me down type of you know prayers or god's great god's good let us thank him for our food i could pray all those kind of prayers all day long but i'm talking about where you really got to get a hold of god i'm talking about you need some help and i remember finally after wandering through there and and I really, the truth of the matter is, I really found my way out, but I looked at the mountain. I thought I was on the wrong side and went back in. And when I did, I, I went back in, and, and as a result of that, uh, I finally came to the conclusion that if I was going to get out of there and not die in this place, that I was going to have to unroll my sleeping bag and pray, and I did. I unrolled my sleeping bag, and I got on my knees. And I told the Lord, if he'd get me out of there, I would serve him. I've failed in so many ways. Uh, I also got lost one time when I was, I have a pilot's license. I've had my pilot's license since 1995. And one of the things in order to uh, get your pilot's license, you have to do what they call cross countries. And you have to do three of those. And my first cross country, I, I flew into Ohio, flew across Ohio River, flew into, from Mount Sterling, flew into the, across Ohio River, and flew into a little airport up in Ohio. I don't know exactly where it was. Uh, I, I, if, I'd have, if I'd have crashed up there, they wouldn't have found me for two or three weeks. So there wasn't nobody in that place. But then I took back off, and I had to, you you got GPS now, GPS, so you just put the address in, and it'll take you wherever you want to. But back in those days, we didn't have GPS. We had what they called, they they taught you how to fly with a VOR meter, and you had a little needle, and you found these things. Have you ever saw one of these things in a field that looks like a Mexican hat? You know, that's what a VOR is. And you tune into that, and you fly to it, and then you, then you triangulate from that to go to the next place. Well, I got up there, and that needle was just going every which way. And so I'm, 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 I feel like I'm lost. And I'm, I'm over close to where Falmouth was, whatever. And so finally, I just made up my mind that I was going to turn my airplane and just turn I'd go 180 degrees south and I did and I got over there and and, and all of a sudden I saw Cynthia and I recognized some things and I knew that Georgetown was over here because that's where I was trying to go to so I went to Georgetown and and so Georgetown then flew back into Mount Sterling after that but but it was a it was a It's not a good feeling because you can run out of gas and those things and then you got to put it down somewhere and that's not an easy thing. So to be lost, but you need marks. So these wise men were looking for a star. And one of the things that I see in here is that star went away for a while. When those wise men looked into a starry sky and they saw the star, life as they knew it would, and, and as we know it would never be the same. When that that baby invaded this world, when God sent His Son into this world, life as we know it, history as we know it, would never, ever be the same. Never be the same. In that day in, in Jesus' day, stars were important, more important than we I mean, how many of us can walk out today and look up into the sky and see the North Star or see the Milky Way or, or to see uh, the to see the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper or whatever? It's hard to see those because our skies changed in such a way. But if you've ever had the chance to go somewhere where there's not much light and you can lay on your back and see all the stars and count the stars, man, what a what a A beautiful sight it is and I pray and hope that every child can do that and because of green spaces diminishing we have a hard time doing that but I hope that there will come a time for every child in this church to have an opportunity to go somewhere on a hill and just stretch out and look up into the heavens and see the Milky Way as a big dipper I hope you'll do that you know there's things that we want our children to understand the I mean, my dad told me years ago that for Christmas, he got an apple and an orange. And he was excited. And he told me even one year, he got a banana. And he could not believe he got a banana. Now, you give a banana to a kid today, he's wanting to know where he plugs it in at. (laughs) But I'm saying there are things in life that we our kids, we want our kids to know there's something else beside that little screen they look at that they're missing out on. That God wants to show them those things, and so I hope there'll come a time that they'll be able to enjoy those things. You know, that so you know for uh, would so the life for the whole world would never be the same. The people, the Bible says, who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined, is what the word says. When the wise men looked up and saw that star, they saw what they saw was God's timing. The question comes, how did they know about the star and then to recognize it? Well, I really believe the wise men were probably either magicians, um, uh, astrologers, or sorcerers. I think they were astrologers. And some think that science and the Bible cannot coexist, but that's a lie. It's been proven time and time again the truth of both God's Word and science support one another. So when Nebuchadnezzar... Has his dream, and he calls the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers over in 2nd Kings to interpret the dreams they could not. And Daniel then comes on the scene and interprets the dream about the coming, about the coming future. Now listen to what Nebuchadnezzar did in Daniel 2, 48. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors all over the wise men of Babylon. In other words, Daniel probably had classes and instruction and taught on the things of God that were passed down to him. For instance, in Numbers 24, uh, verse 17, it says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of the Moab, and destroy all the children of Seth. So they heard about a star, and they were studying the heavens, and all of a sudden, there appears a star that they had never, ever seen. Let me tell you something, that's the day in which we're living in. As God gets ready to come, I believe he sends fireworks up. Just like when Jesus came the first time, he sent a star. The Bible says in the last days, Jesus said this in Luke twenty-one twenty-five, and there will be signs in the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring. I just watched the, in, in two thousand. 11, when that tsunami hit Japan, it was unbelievable what the destruction of things. The sea and the waves roaring and men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Have you noticed that all of a sudden there's such interest in UFOs? And have, also, have you also noticed that there was a time when, we, when people talked about UFOs that the government, boy, put cold water on that in a hurry. No, that was gone. Oh, that's just, people just imagine that thing. Why is it today that all of a sudden we're hearing so much about UFOs? I really believe it's demonic, for one thing. But I will tell you exactly why I think, because I believe that the Lord is getting ready to come. Lord's getting ready to come. I, I will tell you this the other night I watched something on television. It was Glenn Beck. And the reason I watched it because he had a young girl on there who is she, she looks like she's about 20, but she's an expert when it comes to, when, expert when it comes to conspiracies and things. And her name is Whitney Webb, and I, I would challenge you to watch that. Glenn Beck, Whitney Webb, WEBB. Because she talks about what's happening in our world. And the things that, and she documents all this stuff. The conspiracies that we say are conspiracies are not conspiracies. And I would just simply say to you guys when I, what I got out of that more than anything else, I just really believe. You know, some people are talking about a revival that will happen in this world. And I hope and pray it does. I mean, I mean that with all my heart. I hope and pray a revival comes. But I'm going to tell you something. There may be in spots or places that we see a revival, but I don't believe a world will have a revival. I don't believe that the revival will happen here in the I hope it does, but I don't believe it will. But what I do believe is this, and this is what I got out of that. I got out of this get ready, Jesus is getting ready to come. Because I really believe the only hope that America has today, and I'm, I'm going to stand on this, the only hope that American people can call me whatever they want to. The only hope that America has today is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If Jesus doesn't return, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, I know what we're going to do. We're going to go through some tough times That's what we're going to be. That's why my sermon last Sunday was on suffering, on a Christmas sermon. And so, uh, so, so you know, they heard about the star and these wise men were studying the heavens and all of a sudden there appears a star that they'd never seen before. But also notice in, in verse 17 uh, of what we said in, one, uh, in, in Numbers 24, it says, And a scepter. Now, as Daniel taught, he probably taught Genesis forty-nine, ten. He says, "The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be." The scepter signifying authority and kingliness. But notice that the king and the priest will come out of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. Why is that significant? Because a priest had to come out of the tribe. Read the book of Hebrews. The priest had to come out of a tribe of... of um, um, help me out here. Levi, thank you. A priest had to come out of the tribe of Levi in order to be a priest. Now, Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah. What does that mean to us? It, the Bible teaches us that in order for that to happen, to change something... You have to change the covenants. This is why you and I are under the covenant of grace today. Because as Jesus came, and he came out of the tribe of Judah, as a result of that, that's why the covenant had to be changed. Hebrews 7, 13, 14 says, For he whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. He was both a priest and a prophet, like Melchizedek." And so, here's another question. Did the star disappear? Yes, it did. Because why would they come to Jerusalem and asked where Jesus would be born when Bethlehem was only five or six miles away. And, and so it tells us, look at verse, in, in Matthew chapter 2, look at verses 9 and 10. Here's what it says, and it says, And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star and they rejoiced with seemingly great joy. Why? The star came back. It, dis- it, it disappeared and it came to them Once again, the wise men looked up and what they saw was God's timing. God's timing on the second coming of Jesus will be the very same thing. In the fullness of time, he will send Jesus. But his timing is real in your life also. Why does he make you wait on certain things? Why does he not just at your beck and paw when you pray just right then and there? Because he's trying to do something in your life. You're his workmanship created in the good works. It is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And the Bible also says in Philippians, I love this verse, that's why I quote it all the time. Philippians 1, 7, when it says this, it says uh, and I didn't give you this to you all. I know you all are back there hunting up things. 1 7, when it says this, it says, He who hath begun a good, listen to this, he who hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that says? We, we think it's all up to us. No, God's got a hold of you. He's not going to let you go. How can you say that, Lee? John six thirty seven. What's it say? All that my Father gives me will come unto me. And he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You want to be secure in this world? Then give your heart and soul to Jesus because you're secure in him. And nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can. Now, so, I, so the, the starving and they rejoice. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, Born under the law. God picked out that particular time to send his son into the world. It was a time in history that the most of the civilized world was under one government, Rome. May I ask you what's trying to happen today? Is that not the move today? Are we not trying to see the the beginning? We're not there yet, but the beginning of a one-world government that we're moving towards? When we hear about the globalism, the, all the things that are happening here when we hear about places people like the, the world economic Forum, what is, what's their, their goal to bring everybody under one girl, one, one government? Second thing is Jesus came into a time of great unhappiness. Are we happy today? as a country. Jesus came in a time of great unhappiness. People were suspicious of other people. Uh, They were fearful and needy. It was a world of moral degradation, low ethical standards. I I, I said this one time years ago, that I believe what abortion was going to lead to, it would lead to euthanasia. In other words, we'll start evaluating people as to what they're worth. And we'll determine then whether they can live or not live. A lot of people say, oh, that will never happen. You hear what's happening in Canada? Did you know that Canada just passed a law that says that, you, that the, uh, that, you know, legal suicide? That if you want to die, you can go ahead. That's the law. But guess what else is happening up there? They're now looking at people from the standpoint that they're saying simply that if, if, you, uh, you know, if you're homeless and you can't support yourself, then guess what's going to happen? You can go ahead and die if you want to. This is the world that we're living in. That was the type of world when Jesus came the first time he came into that world. Bitter hatred. I've never seen a time. Low ethical standards, government oppression. Taxes were raising at alarming rates that we just passed a six percent I, 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 just passed another six percent tax rate uh, for Kentucky. Uh, we just—I mean—I don't know what people are going to do, and it scares me to death. In many ways, we just got a bill in for our school over here that for just gas was seventeen hundred dollars. Just the gas bill. electric bill was over eight hundred. So and, and 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 it just keeps growing, you know. And so uh, personal needs could scarcely be met. It was a time that God's voice had been heard had had not been heard for over 400 years and religious vitality was at an all-time low. We've never, you know, back I remember back in the 1970s, boy, you tell somebody you're a Christian, everybody look at you and say, "Man, well, wow, that's tremendous, boy. Let's just go out and find some other people and try to get them to come to the Lord." Not today. Places in like Pennsylvania that tell you, you got to sign out front of a restaurant that if you're a Christian, uh, we will not serve you. Uh, libraries that stopped—I uh, can't remember the guy's name—from uh, coming in reading, reading uh, Christian stories to them. Over 30 libraries sent a word saying he couldn't come. I mean, this is the things that are happening. Uh, Christians are being looked at as now as domestic terrorists. Uh, so, so people had lost their purpose, their hope, and their faith and the darkness of the night was matched only by the gloom of the spirit that pervaded the countryside does that sound familiar to you yes it does but praise god you know what that means to me that means to me simply my lord is getting ready to bust the eastern sky and come and get us amen amen that's what it means to me so by, and jesus said when you see these things happening look up look up don't look down, don't look to Washington, don't look to Frankfurt, don't look anyplace else, but look up, because your redemption is drawing nigh. That's what he said, amen? Amen. So, Isaiah 9, 2 says this, you know, that, that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them was a the light had shined. You see, when Psalms 23 says that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. Why will we fear no evil? Because God is with us. But let me say this to you. Some people say, say simply that, you know, that, that's when we die. We walk through that valley of shadow of death. No, it's not. You and I are walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. When we die, guess what? To be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. Your loved ones that went there, that we, we miss them bad. I understand that. But let me tell you, the moment they died, if they know my Lord, guess what? There's a hand that came out and reached them, grabbed a hold of them, and took them on to heaven that way. The, the Bible tells me in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke that when Lazarus died, what happened? The angels came and took him all the way to heaven, all the way. I'll tell you what I want. I want that express lane when I go. Amen. I don't want to get in all that traffic. I don't want that. I want to go on the express lane when the angels come and pick me up and carry me all the way to my Lord. That's what he's talking about. So verse 1 tells us the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now most people believe there were only three wise men, but that's, that's possible because of the three gifts they gave. They're also called magi. And Magi were priestly cast in ancient Persia. They were the leading figures in religious courts. Life of their country. They were known for their scientific knowledge, and especially astrology, studying the stars. They are also known for diplomacy and wisdom and religious. They tried to understand present and future life. Large numbers, because think about this, large numbers of Jews still remained in the east after the captivity and the exile, so they, had, they, had, they still had many of the manuscripts and scriptures, so they could have read those things. So when the star appeared, there stirred something deep inside them. Something that they knew was lacking in their life. And all of a sudden, here comes this star. An insufficiency, if you will, but also a desire, could this be the disciple? Where did they hear that? They heard this easily over in, in, in what Daniel probably taught. John Piper one time said, all sin when we are dis, is when we're dissatisfied with God. That's what sin is. Sin is when we're dissatisfied with God. When, when we feel God is insufficient. When we let the world creep in and we think the world is the answer for our problem. When God is standing there waiting for us to, to fall. Why does he not want you to see it? Because he knows that you're going to be disappointed. It's not going to meet your needs. How loving and merciful a God we serve. Let me say it again. How Loving and merciful to God, we serve. We give Him such a bad rap. We decided we don't need God to control our lives and head off in a direction that God knows it cannot satisfy the longing in our hearts. I have had to realize my Father in heaven has used the insufficiencies in my life to draw me to Him. You know, somebody once said this don't waste your troubles. Because it's in your troubles. That's why the psalmist said said simply that it was good that I was afflicted. Well, why would it be that I would be afflicted? Because it was in that time that I called on him. It was in that time that I said, oh, Lord, I need you. It was in that time that I said to get on my knees and say, Lord, I can't make it without you. Oh, it, it, have you had that experience? Have you, have you come to the place that you recognize and see that all the things that worry you, and, and you say, well, I don't, I don't have any worries. You, just, you know, don't tell me that. You do. But have you turned them over to him? Do you hear him say, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you laid them on his hand, in his hands? You know... Uh, every one of us feel Insufficient in some areas Some people say I'm too tall Other people say I'm too short Some people say I gotta watch this one I'm too fat I'm too skinny Some people say my relationship Stinks Some people say I wish I had a relationship My job is awful Some other people say I wish I had a job You know uh, You know growing up uh for me it was I was too short, and you know, of course, I really believe that five eight is really scriptural it's the biblical height that God really wants us to be at. That's what I really feel but but I was too short, and girls would, they'd just look at you well, they wouldn't look at you, they'd look down at you, you know whatever, so they'd do and and so You know, and so I I got one of these magazines, and I found out you could get these things you put in your shoes, and they'd make you about two or three inches taller. So I got them, you know. (laughs) Put them in my shoes, and, and, you know, girls would look at you and say, aren't you getting taller? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's what I... So... The only problem with them is, by the end of the day, those things had slipped down to my toes, and I felt like I was walking uphill all day long. I was wore out from trying to to do it. But we all have insufficiencies. And we know that those things cannot satisfy. You know, we know they can't satisfy. Why can't can't they satisfy? Because God says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, That he's put eternity into your heart. There's something inside that says there's something missing until I turn my life over to Jesus. There's a piece of me that's not... No matter what I achieve, we achieve something and we get to the highest pillar of everything we've tried to achieve. And we get there and only what we find, we get to the peak of the mountain and we find out there's another mountain. Oh, to be satisfied... To to delight yourself in the Lord. You know, how it is that that to be satisfied is is a great thing in your life. And that's our search. Our search is for sufficiency. Our search is for significance. A search for fulfillment. But those can only be satisfied when you're led to Christ. Yes, this is, there's this star, but they search for light in the darkness. The wise men had traveled 900 miles, and it took between one and two years to get there. Now, it's not just insufficiency that God works through, but He also works through desires. The Bible says in Psalms 37.4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the very desires of your heart. And I really believe if he's put a desire, he, maybe he, you, know, you say, well, you know, if I'm going to be a Christian, I've got to go live in a mud hut someplace. or nothing. No, you, no. If he's put a desire in your heart, and it's a good, healthy, honest desire, maybe God put it in there because he will use that to help you, no matter what it is. I heard a story one time of a a church that was trying to have a summer camp and, and they were doing that. And then this guy, they, they said, well, we need people to help and if you've got a spiritual gift comes in and, and help us, whatever. And this guy came and, he, and they asked him, so what's your spiritual gift? He says, my spiritual gift is barefoot water skiing. They said, what? He said, barefoot water skiing. And they said, how are we going to use barefoot water skiing? I don't know. But when they went to that camp that summer, and they had a sign-up that he said, well, we'll put his name up here, barefoot water skin. He said, every kid in the place was wanting to get on, sign up to go barefoot water skin. And said so he reached I don't know how many kids for the kingdom of Christ just because he could barefoot water. See, Moses, God looks at Moses and he said, Moses said, I'm not qualified. I'm slow of speech, all this kind of stuff. And God looks at Moses and says, what's that in your hand? All he had was a shepherd's staff. What's that in your hand? He used that to part the Red Sea. But what, what have you got in your hand? What talent has God given you? What is he doing in your life that he can use for the kingdom of God? He's not trying to take things from you. He's trying to mu- multiply the gifts that you have in your life. These wise men had a desire to see the Messiah. God places desire, not sinful, fleshy, in our heart. When you desire, He desires, come together. There's a delight. And notice that when the wise men went home, they went rejoicing with exceedingly great joy because they found someone that would satisfy the very desires of their heart forever. They came saying, We have seen His star. Oh, have you seen His star? Some people get all torn up about the star and what kind it was. Was it a comet? Was it a nova, supernova? So some have suggested it was a Shekinah glory. The same that led Israel by night and the angel of the Lord. You know what? My Father in heaven can do anything He wants to. You know, I never had a trouble with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning it was God. God created Because I think if you can't get by Genesis 1-1, you're going to have a hard time with the rest of the book. People come to me sometime and they'll say, let me ask you something, Lee. Do you really believe, you know, science after all the things they've done, do you really believe that God created everything in seven days in a week? I look at them and I say this. No, I don't believe that. Oh, you don't? I said, no. He did it in six days. He rested on the Sabbath, you know. So, my God can do anything. The problem is, you've got a midget for a God. You you, you know, you don't believe your God's big enough to do it. He's able to do all things, He can do anything. Genesis 18:4, as anything too hard for the Lord is anything. Abraham was told your descendants will be as the sand of the earth in and, and Genesis 15, 5. It's only when new advanced telescopes came that we saw stars do a number as pebbles of the sand. Notice the star disappeared and then reappeared in verse 9. And here is one more piece of information. The star went before them till it came and stood over where the young child or baby was. Now, now Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem approximately five to six miles. Thus the star travel north to south. You know last time I watched stars on the weather channel, stars travel west to east. But God was saying, Watch this. This'll really blow your mind. In second Kings it, it says this and 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 it's it's talking about Hezekiah the king he asked for a sign from Isaiah, from the Lord, and God took the earth and sent it backwards on its axis and added 15 years to the life of Hezekiah. That's what it is. Well, let me ask you something. What problem do you hope that God can't fix? Go back to Psalms forty-seven four. He says, He counts the number of the stars. He calls them by name. Great is our God... And mighty in power, he understands the infinite. Now, you know, but, but if you go to this, scoffers have said if God is the creator of the stars and universe, do you really believe he cares about you? Is he up there? And, you know, this is what the Gnostics, right? You know, that God would know, know whether you get the, whether, you know, does he care whether you get the job or whether your child has a fever? But look at the bookends of these verses. Let me. Let me. Go, I want to go back to Psalms one forty seven and read that again, four and five. Look what four and five says. Four it says he counts the number of stars, he calls them by name. Now look at verse five. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. But look at the bookends of these two verses. Verse three. Look at verse three. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Is your heart broken? Then may I offer you the one who can fix your heart. Is your heart broken heart? Are you broken heart? He binds up the one. And then, look, then also look at verse 6. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the crown. What does that say? He cares. No wonder it tells me that he's, he, he numbers the very hair on our head. Quite a mighty God that we serve. Jesus said in Revelation twenty two sixteen, 16, I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star. The wise men came seeking for a Messiah, and the star disappears. They came to Jerusalem, to Herod, and they asked, Where is he who was being born king? And Herod got missed. There are people in this world that are just fat jealous. They don't, want the, they don't want the church to go on. They don't want God's people to, to prosper. But you see, they, they wanted a true king. And Herod didn't want any competition. May I tell you, when, when you came seeking to truly worship the Lord that when you go to really want to get close to him and draw nigh to him, because he promises you, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you in Jeremiah 29. But listen to this, somebody somewhere is going to get in your way. Amen? Some of you can say amen to that. You know that somebody will try to discourage you. Somebody will try to derail your train. And the Bible even goes on to say that there are those people that will be against you will be those of your own house, many of them will stand in your way. I've always said when little kids are wanting to come to the Lord, just let them come. I don't care how old they are. If they want to go forward, let them go forward. Because the, the truth of the matter is, that, you know, later on, if they need to rededicate, they can rededicate. But I heard a story one time of, of a. Of a a father that the Lord got a hold of and he was coming forward and his son came right out behind him and was walking right behind him and the father looked back at his son and said, no, you stay there. You're too young. You stay there. Little boy never did come after that. Never did come. So Herod goes and he demands where the Messiah will be born. And Micah 5, 2 tells you, But you, Bethlehem and Ephraim, though you were little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of you shall come forth to me, and the one to be a ruler of Israel, and those going forth are from, from old and from everlasting. You see, one of the reasons that I really believe in absolute truth, and one of the reasons I believe that this Bible is the Word of God, and it's without error, is because of the fact that it can predict the future before it ever happens. And there's no other book that can do this. No other book. No other book. Matthew 2, 6, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are not least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Think about this. The scribes, and this is, I think this is the world when we were living in the period of time of the in church when it says that you're rich and you're increased with goods and think you have need of nothing. That's our problem. We don't think we need the Lord. And yet Jesus said you, he said simply that they that are whole need not the physician but they that are sick until you realize you need him you won't come to him. Think about this. The scribes and the Pharisees knew the scriptures. They knew exactly the place where the Messiah would be born. We know that the Lord warned the wise men not to go back to Herod and, and, and yet by the same token As he, he warned them to, Let me just simply say That simply as a result of that What happened they, didn't, they had only to travel six miles But they were not interested The wise men had traveled 900 miles 900 miles They couldn't go six miles No desire for the great, greatest event That ever happened People in Noah's time that perished are like people today. they got all kinds of excuses of why they can't come. All kinds of excuses. God knew their heart, just like he knows the heart of every person here today. Some can quote everything about prophecy. They know what the third toll means in the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Yet in truth, they aren't interested in Jesus coming back. If they were, they wouldn't be living like they are. And I'll tell you one of the things I really believe, if you believe in the second coming of Jesus and you believe in the rapture of the church, then I'm telling you simply this, one of the reasons God has placed that and helped you to understand that is so that you'll go out and try to win as many people as you possibly can to the Lord. It ought to spur you on i to spur you on to live in, in such a way that you're at, you, you look, you get up in the morning and say, Lord, who will you send me today? Well, I've told you this before, but when I go in, when I go, my wife sends me to get a loaf of bread and a pound of bologna or whatever I am in Walmart, I'll go in there and I'll walk through the door and the first thing comes to my mind, Lord, what you got me in here for? And all of a sudden, here comes somebody. I've prayed with more people in Walmart than I have any other place. You know? Just to get up and what a purpose it is. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. You see, it's wonderful to know the scriptures. But you need to know the man who wrote them. Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. So they told the wise men it was in Bethlehem. Verse 9. And the star reappeared. Do you see the star? What do, you, what do you do when you can't see the star? Because the star had gone away. Here's what you do. You walk by faith until the star reappears. Why is it that God goes? The psalmist asked that question. Lord, where are you? I can't find you. Where, why does God go away sometimes? Jesus on the cross, my, father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What, what, what? There's times in our lives that God goes away. Why does he go away sometimes? And why don't you feel him sometimes? Because he's trying to get you to trust him in what he says and not what he does sometimes. That's what Jesus' problem was on the lake with the disciples that woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care? We're about to drown here. <laughs> about to drown, Lord. Don't you care? You're sleeping over here, Lord. What about? And and what did Jesus? He got upset with them. And he said to them, Oh, ye little faith. Why is it that he did that? Because at the very first in the book of Mark, verse 35, it says simply this. It says simply, let, let, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, Let's go out here in the middle. We'll all drown right out here in the middle. He said, Let us go to the other side. They didn't believe what he said. That's our problem. God says, I'll supply your needs. Do we believe it? When God says, I want to answer your prayers, do we believe it? That's the, that's the thing. And, and so the wise men, they came to Bethlehem, Father, and, and look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 and 11 here. Look what it says. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down. And notice this. What's it say they worshipped? They worshipped what? Him. They worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary. Mary was a great woman, but they didn't worship Mary. They worshipped him. You know, think about it. That's why Peter got in trouble with the Lord when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter said, Lord, it's good that we're here. I'll build one tabernacle for Moses, one for Elijah, and and one for Jesus. And the the cloud came down and God said, here's my blessed son, you hear him. Why? Because all he was trying to say, I'll have a church of Moses, i have a church of Elijah, a church of Jesus. He said, no, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what it is. So they told the wise man it was in Bethlehem and they worshipped him. And then the Bible says they opened their treasure and they had three things. They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh and gold spoke of his kingship. You know, Now the Bible talks about how we're going to rule. We're going to rule. How Jesus is going to come back and rule. He hasn't done that yet. He'll do that in the second coming. It talks about frankincense spoke of the life and the fragrance of his life. You see, if you know Jesus, you got the scent of Jesus all over you. Are oh, you missing that? If you know Jesus, you know the scent of Jesus is all over you and the world smells it. Now the world wants you to use their deodorant and try to get it off of you. Huh? But they smell it, believe me. They think you're a narrow-minded uh what does Biden call us now? What are we terrorists? What kind of, what kind of terrorists are we? Domestic terrorists, I guess. <laughs> and Myrrh spoke of what? An ointment of embalming. Usually, gift yet spoke of his death on Calvary. Myrrh was used to embalm people. Isaiah 60, verse 6, The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries and the medians and Ephraim, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Isaiah 60, verse 6. We know that the Lord warned the wise men not to go back to Herod and to take a different route home. Why? Because they were divinely warned. People ask all the time, you know, If you want to get in trouble, all you got to do is talk about the exclusiveness of Jesus. That He says, "I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by Me." But it's interesting to me that in this story, He 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 came to them in a vision and a dream and told them not to go back to Herod. He did the same thing with Joseph in a dream. What I'm hearing right now, there are tons and tons of people in Iran that are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And how are they coming? They're coming in dreams. God doesn't need, you know, if he wants, you know, he doesn't need us. He'll go around us to get the people, you know. So there are tons of people that are coming to know Jesus because of this. So these men had had, had trained themselves to look about the world of men, and that's what we must do to look over. I wonder, here's the thing I wonder. I wonder why others did not see the star that night, because only the wise men. It's the same thing that when the rapture happens, people say, well, I just don't believe in a secret rapture. I do. Because there's a lot of people not looking for him. And wham, we're gone. Now, the second coming, the Bible says, every eye will see him. Now, I really thought the Lord may just come down really slow. And he does. He's just sitting there going, coming down slow in the whole world. Oh, or here he comes, you know, I never run to, because they run to the rocks and hills and the mountains to follow him. He comes really slow. I, I don't know. But, here, you know, when the rapture happens, it's, it's, it is a secret rapture that we're gone. But here's the question. What makes a star disappear? Clouds could get in the way, block our view. Maybe days get so bright it's hard to see the star when it's noon or the sun shining. Maybe we become distracted and we tend to look at other things. When we look back, it's gone. So what do you do when you can't see the star? Where you, you go when you don't know where you are. When you, what do you do, when you say, when you can't find the way? You keep going in the same direction when you first see the star. You walk by faith. Friend, just because the star is out of sight doesn't mean it's gone. It's still there to draw you closer to the Son of God. Jesus said in John 20, 29, he's talking to Thomas, he said, This, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed, blessed are those who uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. When the wise men left, the Bible says they left for rejoicing because their life would never be the same. You cannot come in the presence of Jesus and walk away in the same. Let me close this way. I told you at the very first that when I was 11 years old, I got lost. I haven't told this in a long time. And I remember sitting on that hill. I'd unrolled my sleeping bag. I had them old pots and pans. that were rattling like crazy. And I finally unrolled all my sleeping bag on a little hill, and I just sat there and I prayed. And I asked the Lord. And it seemed like it was not any time I heard these people coming through the woods and really what I thought was coming through, I thought for some reason I thought it was a bunch of people herding cattle I don't there's no cattle up there but that's what I thought and here came, my grandfather at that time was sheriff here in Clark County and when all those people they, they, we had 30, 30 to 40 people up there that day and when they loaded up they didn't do a head count and they got in a car and went, come back to Winchester. My dad ran a business and he looked at me and he said, uh, I looked at, called my mother and he said, Well, did Lee enjoy the camping trip? She said, I don't know, he's not home. And dad said, Well, I see these other people. They started calling around because nobody could find me. I'm still up there in the hills. <laughs> and so, so, as a result of that, my, my, start, and so next thing you know, they realize I'm still up there. So my, grand, my grandfather got all his deputies, and my dad had like seven brothers, all them. They come in, you know, all my uncles. And they all come up there looking for me. Now I see these people coming through the woods, and I never will forget, and all these people are now dead and gone, and I miss them so much. <laughs> the first person that came to me was my Uncle Howard. And he was standing next to me, and he... My dad's name was Belvin. I asked my dad one time, "Dad, what, why in the world?" Because he named me after him, and I did the same thing to my son. And <laughs> it's awful. And I asked my dad one time. I said, "Dad, how in the world do we get the name Belvin?" He said, "Well, there's this guy walk fence post." I said, "I got my name from some guy that could walk fence post." <laughs> well, I guess you know whatever name. So anyway, so so, but my, nobody knew my dad's name as Belvin. Everybody knew my dad's name is Slick. You know. And so we're standing, I'm standing there, my uncle, and he hollers back down the trail. And he says, here's what he says. He says, Slick, he's up here, and he's okay. It was a rarity to me to ever see my daddy cry. But that day, my daddy was running running up that, that trail crying his eyes out. And why was he doing that? Because his son had been lost, but he'd been found. And that's the same thing That Jesus did for you and I. He ran up a path that led to Calvary. Because you and I were lost. And he wanted to find us. Oh, don't turn away from this. He loves you so much. And if you miss this, you miss your total existence. Oh, and young people, what God can do in your life if you just do what he asks you to do. Give your heart to him. So today we're going to have a verse of invitation. And